Good morning. Welcome to Refuge Bible Fellowship. Today is Sunday, April 5th, and it is Palm Sunday. And so we have just uh, an exciting day before us as we uh, go through Scripture and uh, we, we learn exactly what this day was uh, 2,000 years ago as uh, we consider uh, Jesus being on the Mount of Olives and looking across the Kidron Valley and, um, and, and into the uh, temple, which is right across the valley there, looking at the eastern gate. Um, he's uh, more than likely uh, going to go into the temple through the southern steps. And so this is what we have today. We have Palm Sunday and the account of Jesus' triumphal entry into uh, Jerusalem. And so, um, you know, today is a, a day of hope. It's a day of celebrating the one who has come to save. He is our rescuer. He is our savior, Jesus Christ. And what we have this day is the crowds uh, crying out, laying branches in their own clothing, uh, their garments uh, in, in the, the path of Jesus Christ as he comes from the Mount of Olives and makes his way into Jerusalem. Uh, and, and this is a cry for, of the people uh, for someone who they thought was going to rescue them from oppression under Roman rule. You know, I can't help but think of the day in which we're living in today, how it is that so many people are crying out for a rescuer, uh, someone to rescue them from uh, what we're experiencing with, uh, with a virus that's, uh, you know, gone and spread throughout the whole world, this pandemic of COVID-19. Um, so there's a lot, there are a lot of people who are asking questions, um, who are willing to listen, um, and are open to uh, just really receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what we have before us is the hope, eternal hope, that we have come to know in Jesus Christ, and the very hope that hopefully we declare and, uh, and spread throughout uh, the world uh, especially today, in such a dark day, uh, we need light to shine through that darkness. And Jesus Christ is the light of the world. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So this morning, as we celebrate Palm Sunday, uh, I want to turn our attention to that one Sunday, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus Christ triumphantly entered into Jerusalem. So the title of this morning's message is Hope has arrived. In John chapter 12 is where we're going to be starting. In John chapter 12, verses 12 through 15, it says, The next day the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We thank you, Lord, that as we read this morning, as we learn, as we Lord, as we desire to hear from you, that you speak to us, that you encourage us, Lord, that you remind us of the eternal hope that we have in Jesus Christ. 
And so, Lord, we, as we read these verses here, Lord, it's a, a prophetic fulfillment. And Lord, as uh, Psalm 118.26, Lord, is uh, one of the verses that had been fulfilled at this time, and also Zechariah 9.9. Lord, so much has been fulfilled of your prophecies, and Lord, there are still more to be fulfilled. And so, Father, I pray that you would teach us this morning, help us to understand what we have before us as far as this day is concerned, Palm Sunday, Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. May you speak to your church, and I pray, Lord, that your hope would go out to those not only that uh, don't know you, but those who are searching. And so, Father, speak to us this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as we kind of uh, take a look at and, uh, and understand what's happening here in Jerusalem uh, on this day, uh, we know that the whole city was preparing for the Passover, and tens of thousands of people were coming into the city, pouring in from all of the surrounding uh, regions of the land, the land. And really, there was great excitement and fervor among the people. Even the Pharisees were conceding to Jesus, saying in John chapter 12, verse 19, So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. You know, if we look, look back at the three years of Jesus' ministry, we consider that for three years Jesus had been walking the will of the Father out which included this very day, the fulfillment, as I said in the prayer of Zechariah 9.9, which says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. For three years he is taught, corrected, and performed miracle after miracle, demonstrating that he is truly the Son of God, showing that he was the Messiah, the Son of the living God. For three years he has healed the sick, making the lame walk, the deaf hear, the mute speak, the blind see, and has poured himself out, teaching and preparing his twelve disciples who would spread the gospel of what the Father offers through Jesus Christ they being his eyewitnesses of all that has taken place and is about to take place up to and including Jesus' crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension. ascension. His crucifixion is just five days from this Sunday. Five days. The day that we celebrate or we observe as Good Friday. Just days before Palm Sunday... We also, just to kind of put things in perspective, uh, need to realize that Jesus had just resurrected Lazarus from the dead, the brother of Mary and Martha. Jesus had gone to their home and raised Lazarus from the dead. And this was mainly the reason why so many people had, had gathered around Jesus. It says in verse 17 of John chapter 12, The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. In other words, they continued to speak about the the whole account of Jesus having resurrected Lazarus from the tomb, from, from from the dead. 
And, uh, and so that word got around and many people were coming. So they were continuing to bear witness of that account. Verse 18 says, the reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. And so we have many people surrounding Jesus at this very moment. Jesus' entry into the city of Jerusalem was not going to be just a casual stroll. It meant something. It was the fulfillment of prophecy. He had come to deliberately declare that he was the king of Israel. He was the anointed one, the promised Messiah, the one who had been predicted by the prophets of God. You know, about a year before this, Jesus was teaching a large crowd out in the country. You know, it was getting late and the people were getting, were tired and were getting very hungry. And so Jesus instructed his disciples to feed them. But the only food that was on hand is a little boy's lunch. But Jesus took that and multiplied that small amount of food, five loaves of bread and two fish, and fed over 5,000 people. And when everyone had been fed, there were 12 baskets of bread left over. Well, you, as we would all expect, the crowd was so impressed that they wanted to make him a king. In John chapter 6, verse 15, it says, Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. You see, the crowd sensed that Jesus had the bearing to be the long-awaited king of Israel. But the kind of king they wanted wasn't the reason why Jesus came, and not what the Father had in mind for the Son, at least not on this occasion. He will come again, and he'll reign. But for now, he came to die for our sins. They wanted an earthly king, a king who would sit upon the throne of David to deliver them from Rome and the oppression that they were experiencing at the time. They wanted an earthly king. But when it became apparent that Jesus wasn't going to be that kind of king, the crowds turned on him. They called for his blood and they crucified him. But this was all part of the Father's will. You see, the enemy thought that perhaps he had destroyed, he had really thwarted the plan of the Father. But he didn't. The Father's plan is sovereign. He is sovereign. And his plan of salvation was fulfilled in Jesus Christ, being the sacrifice of the Son. The Father provided for himself a sacrifice just as he promised, and he foretold through Abraham in the whole account of Abraham and Isaac on Mount Moriah. Now, Matthew chapter 20, verses 17 through 19 says, And as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside, and on the way he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the, and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. Later, as Jesus was being condemned, he would tell Pilate, My kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world, according to John 18.36. Jesus' kingdom is indeed not of this world, but his kingdom is for this world. 
to save the lost and to give sight to the blind, to save from eternal condemnation. And I pray that you have sight today to see the Savior, to see the one who came to rescue lost souls from being condemned for eternity, being saved to eternal life in Jesus Christ. Today, just as then, the world is looking for an earthly Savior. No different. But the most important salvation that anyone can know is not a temporary salvation from temporary earthly difficulties, but rather an eternal salvation from an eternal condemnation. And it is only known through Jesus Christ who gave himself on the cross for you and I. For God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This uh, entry into Jerusalem was one that was prophesied about by the prophet Zechariah. And in no way could it be misconstrued as being anything but the Messiah coming into the city of David, just as it had been prophesied. What we see here on this Palm Sunday is Jesus revealing who he is, not just to his disciples, but to the whole world. But just like today, unfortunately, not all respond in a favorable way. And I would pray that you would respond in a favorable way. That you would realize that this account is true and Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. You know, as John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him as he was baptizing in the, in the Jordan, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He truly came to do that very thing. And he did so by going to the cross and dying. And he was resurrected three days later. And after 40 days of appearing to his disciples and many others, he was taken up. He ascended and today sits at the right hand of the Father. Well, the scene that we see here on this Palm Sunday, people are coming into Jerusalem from all over. As I said earlier, tens of thousands of people are beginning to pour into the city to celebrate the Passover. And Jesus is coming. The Passover lamb is coming. Having arrived at the Mount of Olives, Jerusalem can now be seen just beyond the Kidron Valley. As I said earlier, from the Mount of Olives, you go down into the Kidron Valley and you can see the eastern wall of the temple. And it's at this point as Jesus comes to that point where he can see across the Kidron Valley and across into the temple, Jesus calls for his disciples to bring him a donkey that had never been ridden. And they found the donkey just as Jesus had said they would, according to Zechariah 9.9. And it was fulfilled before their very eyes as Jesus rode into Jerusalem on this donkey. An amazing note of prophetic fulfillment, kind of a, not a side note, but something that would help us it really understand the prophetic fulfillment of this day. You know, back in Genesis chapter 21 and 22, God, uh, in 22, God had tested Abraham and had commanded Abraham to sacrifice his son. Abraham was obedient and he did as God had commanded him to do. He took his son Isaac to the top of a mountain called Moriah. And was about to sacrifice his son, believing that God could even raise him from the dead, as it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 19. Because God had promised Abraham through, and, and I quote Genesis 21, 12, 
Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And up to this point, there was no offspring through Isaac. And so for Abraham, he believed God at his word. And he knew that even if he sacrificed his son, that God's promise, he could never go back on his word. And it would be fulfilled through Isaac, the son of promise. And so this is what we know according to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 19, that he believed God and, he, and God could even resurrect him from the dead. So he was, he was about to sacrifice his son Isaac. But it was on their way up the mount, Mount Moriah, when Abraham and Isaac were walking up the mountain, that Isaac turned to his father and said, fire we have. And wood for the burnt offering we have. But where is the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. Genesis 22, 8. In Genesis 22, 1 through 14, this is where it's all described. Mount Moriah is where the temple was built. In fact, what Jesus was looking at across the Kidron Valley was the very place, the very mountain upon which Abraham came to sacrifice his son. And where Abraham said these words, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And he indeed did, for the father sent the son to die in our place, to pay for our sins, all of them, past, present, and future. So he certainly provided for himself a burnt offering for the whole world. So, Hosanna. Hosanna, salvation is here. Hosanna, uh, as, as we see this word here, it means to save, to rescue. Uh, it, it, it means, or it's in reference to a savior. And so how fitting, again, for the time in which we're living. I hope that you have found the savior in Jesus Christ, for he is the only one that can truly save. As anyone else is crying out for someone to rescue, someone to save, Look to none other than Jesus Christ, for he said, I am the way and the truth, and no man comes to the Father except through me. So number one, who is this? This is, this is something that was um, questioned. This is a, a question that was put out there. Who is this? In Matthew chapter 21, verses 6 through 10, we read this. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. You see, while some were asking, who is this? There were still others who knew exactly who this was. This is none other than that Jewish carpenter from Nazareth, from the region of Galilee. This ride on the colt was, what we see here, a deliberate act of self-disclosure. There could be no doubt as to who Jesus was claiming to be and whom he was. 
Here, Jesus fulfilled prophecy, the prophecy of Daniel's 70 weeks, which many believe Jesus fulfilled to the exact day on his triumphal entry. If you're taking notes, please note Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. And so these people who knew who Jesus was, they were the ones that were spreading their cloaks, their, their clothes on the, the trail leading down. Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, including palm branches, their clothes, tree branches. But what did all this signify? What did it, what did it mean? Well, what the people were telling Jesus by doing this is, is that they recognized that he was king. They were giving him their loyalty and promise to support him. And so as we see this, it was the entry of a king coming into Jerusalem. It was definitely a triumphal entry. People before him and after him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In Mark chapter 11, verse 9, it says, And those who went before and those who followed were shouting. Luke chapter 19, verse 37 says, The whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. And John chapter 12, verse 13 says, And went out to meet him. The people did, crying out. So crying out, loud voice, shouting, uh, you know, really yelling out, crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This was not uh, just a quiet entry into Jerusalem. This, is, this was quite, quite the celebration, quite a declaration. The people referred to Jesus as the son of David. It was true. Jesus re, or the people referred to Jesus saying that he comes in the name of the Lord. And this is in fulfillment of Psalm 118, verse 26. And that was true. They made reference to Jesus as the king of Israel. You know, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 11, the apostle Paul writes, Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is fully man and he's fully God. In John chapter 4, verses 1 through 42, we find the story of the Samaritan woman. She is uh, the Samaritan woman at the well whom Jesus came and confronted. During her conversation with Jesus, she went from addressing him as a, as a Jew to addressing him as a prophet and then addressing him as Christ. And when she went to the town to testify of who Jesus was, in other words, she went back. Once she realized who she, who she was speaking to, she went back to the Samaritan village and she told everyone else whom she came 
face to face with was Christ, the Messiah. And they believed her testimony. And they believed themselves, no longer because of what she had said, but because they had come to know personally. In fact, in John 4.42, it says, they said, uh, they, they said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Who do you say that Jesus is? Is he the Savior of the world? Have you come to believe? I pray you have, for this is a joyous day. This is a day of celebration. It's Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And I pray that this is Jesus' triumphal entry into your heart as you surrender to him. Who do you say that Jesus is? Hosanna, salvation is here. Hope has arrived. Secondly, we ought to, when we do come to know him as Lord and Savior... We ought to tell the world that hope has indeed arrived. Jesus, you see, is salvation. In Luke chapter 19, verses 36 through 40, it says, And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples, addressing Jesus. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. The rocks would cry out. There were those who didn't believe even though they knew the scriptures very well. Had they gone back to the Old Testament scriptures and looked at what the prophets prophets had prophesied, what even Moses had written, they could have seen Jesus for who he was and who he is. You see, they were more interested in keeping their own authority. They were more interested in keeping rule over the people. They were more interested in keeping their place in the world, they were more interested in keeping favor, remaining in fa- favor before the eyes of the Roman king. They were willing to sacrifice the truth, the truth for those things. They would rather kill the word and live for the world's favor rather than die to the world and live for the word. They had scripture before them. But unfortunately, they were blind and were even calling Jesus a, a blasphemer because there was no doubt in their minds that Jesus was receiving the praise that only God was worthy of receiving. But what they missed is that Jesus was the Son of God. He was the second person in the Trinity. Jesus himself answered the Pharisees, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Even today, there are people who desire to silence those who shout and cry out that Jesus is the Son of God. Such great joy, such great celebration. And there are those who say, be quiet, stop. So this is nothing new. There are those around many Christians today that say the same thing. Just stop. We don't want to hear you. Stop telling everyone. It's offensive. 
It was offensive then, and it's offensive today. But don't stop, for God told us to do the work of an evangelist, to go and disciple all nations, to cry from the rooftops the good news of Jesus Christ, who has come to save. So this is nothing new. Satan desires to silence those who would proclaim to others the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ and the love that the Father has shown to all people. Satan may have attempted to do this very thing in the day in which we're living in, through this pandemic, just really casting on the whole world so much fear, so much doubt, so much anxiety. But this is actually serving to purify, to strengthen, and really to unify the church, proclaiming that salvation is found in Jesus Christ, the only hope for mankind from eternal condemnation. We may be afflicted physically with perhaps this virus or something else, but that's, that's this life. What we need is a healing that is eternal, that can only be known in Jesus Christ. A healing from eternal condemnation apart from God the Father. But we can be reconciled unto the Father through Jesus Christ and the blood he shed on the cross for you and I. Again, he demonstrated his own love toward you in that while you were still sinners, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So they say that this is not God, but say these things without any knowledge. There was no substance behind their statements. We, Jesus' disciples, are to let the world know that Jesus is the Son of God who saves. So don't be silent. Hosanna, salvation is here. Hope has arrived. Thirdly, as we look at the Savior, we take a look at John chapter 12. John chapter 12 and verses 12 and 13. In verse 12, it says, The next day the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. So John chapter 12, verses 12 and 13. Matthew, Mark, and Luke record the people as shouting, as crying out, Hosanna. Hosanna. So what does it mean, Hosanna? Well, it means saved now. It's an expression of adoration, of praise, and joy. And it's a plea. It's a cry to save, to rescue. That's what they were crying out. The people were praising God for sending the Savior who would deliver them from oppression and trouble. They were hailing Jesus as their king and recognizing him as the son of David. They believed that salvation had come, and indeed it had. But the king's victory was not an earthly one, as they expected, but rather an eternal victory over sin and death. That is the best victory that we could know this side of heaven. In order to see heaven, in order to see God in all of his glory, is to know a victory over sin and death. In Jesus Christ, an eternal victory. The carrying of and laying down of palm leaves and other branches symbolized victory and success. But it would come through the cross, not through a throne that he would sit on, on the earth, to relieve them and deliver them from oppression from Roman rule. 
he would first deliver them from the oppression and the eternal condemnation of their own sin. The king had come to conquer sin and death, riding in humbly on a colt into the city of David. I thought of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, something that the apostle Paul wrote. He wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 54 through 57. He writes, When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. What a declaration of victory we can come to know over sin and death in Jesus Christ. To know victory in Christ over sin is to know peace before the Father in the Son. His wrath against our sin was satisfied through the sacrifice of the Son who paid for our sin in full, shedding his blood on the cross for you and I. David Guzik writes, quote, Jesus came to Jerusalem in humility, yet with appropriate dignity. Instead of coming on a horse as a conquering general, he came on a colt, as was customary for royalty. He came to Jerusalem as the Prince of Peace, close quote. The people had it right. Although they didn't fully understand it at the time, they did have it right. Jesus did come to seek and save the lost, as it says in Luke 19.10. So as we close, who do you say Jesus is? Do you have enough to rejoice today, regardless of the circumstances that you're faced with, the troubles that surround us? Have you found refuge in Jesus Christ? Do you believe that he is the son of God who came to die on the cross for your sins, was buried and on the third day resurrected from the grave? Psalm 118, 19 through 29 speaks of the feastal sacrifice, how it had arrived and through his sacrifice, all would come to know victory over sin and death in him. If we come to believe in Jesus Christ being the Son of God who was sacrificed on the cross for your sin and mine, was buried and three days later rose from the grave. Do you believe in him? Will you repent of your sin and turn to him as Lord and Savior, following him, denying yourself, picking up your cross and following him? Will you do that? Because hope has arrived. His name is Jesus Christ. Today, God has shaken the entire world by this worldwide pandemic. And through this, I believe that he is telling the world to look up. To look up. Reminding the world that he's still on the throne. And he's still offering that right hand of grace to all who would receive Jesus Christ. For we know that salvation is not known in works. It's not known in any efforts, any works that we can do. Salvation comes by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Not in works, lest any man should boast. But it's only through Jesus Christ and by his grace. You have reason to rejoice. 
as Jesus made his triumphal entry into your heart. Why can we rejoice? Well, as Christians, it's because we have the hope, an eternal hope in Jesus Christ. He's forgiven us of all of our sins. We stand not as condemned men, but as forgiven men. Not perfect men, but men who stand in God's promise through Jesus Christ. That's why we can rejoice. You see, Jesus came to give us life by giving his life willingly. John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18 says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. This cry and shout that came from the multitudes on this Palm Sunday, on Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, was prophesied about and it was fulfilled But it was without full understanding of who Jesus was in that day. But I hope we're different today. I hope we understand exactly who it was that entered into Jerusalem. And we believe on him, not just for the moment, but for all eternity. Today, we, the church, should cry out with a full understanding that salvation has come. Hope has truly arrived. Do you know salvation? Do you know the Savior? Would you exclaim Hosanna in the highest? Glory to God. I am forgiven and saved of all of my sins by God's grace in Christ through my confession of faith that Jesus is the Son of God who died for my sins, was buried three days later, rose from the grave, and today sits at the right hand of the Father. Would you declare to the whole world That Jesus is your Savior? That Jesus is your Lord? Today, let us rejoice for the Savior has come and he saves. And he alone is our hope. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it is written, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, by which we must be saved. Has Jesus' triumphal entry occurred in your heart? Has he made his way into your heart? Have you allowed him to make his way into your heart? I pray that you have. Because for everyone who has surrendered their life to Jesus Christ, repenting of their sins, and believing on the Son of God as Savior and Lord, to him forgiveness has been given. And eternal life with the the Son has been given to him by the Father. For God gave us the indescribable gift in Jesus Christ. Will you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? The Bible says that if you do, then you will be saved. So I pray that for you today is a joyous day. A day of celebrating. In five days... We're going to learn about Jesus' crucifixion 
And how it was that God demonstrated his own love toward you and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died on the cross for your sin and mine. But it was all triumphal. It, it, was, it was conquering. It was victory over sin. And we'll see on Easter morning, on Resurrection Sunday, how it was that Jesus had victory over the grave as well. And so I pray that you are encouraged on this day. That regardless of where you are, that you think on Jesus Christ, that you look to him and believe that he is the Son of God and he is your Lord and he is your Savior. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day in which we're celebrating the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem. I pray, Lord, that he has had a triumphal entry into our own hearts. I pray, Lord, that we each and every one of us that are listening, that are watching this morning, have surrendered our lives to you and can truly cry out and declare to the world that we have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And Jesus is our Savior and Jesus is our Lord. We thank you, Lord, for being patient toward us. Thank you for loving us with an everlasting love. And we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you.